Welcome to Midday on the Rural Radio Network. And another day where the uh, weather is going to kind of rule by later on this evening with some possibilities of strong to severe storms again for much of the region that you hear here on the network. The best chance of the development of a lot of that severe weather is going to be stretching about along and west of a line from Yuma to Goodland to Leote. And so if you're in there or just about anything else by later on today, you're probably could face a little bit of thunder. Be prepared for it and listen to your radio station because the storm centers will have all the best information for your local district there. It is uh, coming up on uh, time for us to check in with our experts to find out what you'll be hearing on midday today. And the first off is Joe Gangwish. Well, they don't need any more hail in western Kansas. No, that sir. wheat has nine lives, and I think it's used about all of them. <laughs> in western Kansas, but we'll be talking about President Trump making a stop in Iowa yesterday. He had a lot to say about agriculture, so we'll talk about that in ag news. As most of you know, NASCAR uses E15 in their stock cars, and another race is going to be held in the area very soon. We'll get an update from Bruce Gorder there. Also, New York State stepping up on biodiesel. They're using that as uh, some heating fuel, and uh, so they're going to be requiring uh, a lot of some biodiesel used and some biofuels. Uh, used uh, from soybeans uh, for some heating in New York State. So that's yes. kind of cool. Dewey Nelson with Water Street Solutions at 1219. He'll be talking about today's trade. We'll get some more insight from them. Also, I'll have on a little blue NRD manager, Mike, on and discussing a stay of a, some drilling of new irrigation wells in their district. That is continuing until December 12th. That'll be in our newsmaker segment. And then Dwight Lane comes up at 117 with Amber Ross from Callaway, Nebraska, and Madeline Schwingheimer, she was from Cologne, Minnesota. Both of those ladies doing a summer internship with the West Point Chamber. They are doing that through the Rural Futures Institute. So we'll hear from them at 117. The dulcet tones of Dwight Lane. That's right. Adding some gravitas to the program. Turn up your treble. (laughs) (laughs) Jason Jorgensen in sports. Hey, we'll talk College World Series. There is another elimination game on tap tonight as TCU takes on Louisville. Also, speaking of college baseball, one of Nebraska's best players has decided to turn pro. Jake Myers, he is signed with Houston this week. Can't really blame the kid. First time he was drafted, drafted in the 13th round. That's, that's decent money, $125,000. Still got your knees. That's true. You, you never know you know what the future will, will lead. So uh, he certainly was a good Husker the last couple of years. And uh, they've been talking about doing some renovation at Memorial Stadium, the home of the Kansas Jayhawks, for quite a while. Well, they made that official last night. They're going to pump some money into there as they try to revitalize that football program that has been struggling since uh, Mark Mangino led them to that Orange Bowl victory, and that seems like <laughs> eons ago. Doesn't it? It does. He had it rolling and then was ousted, and they've been lost in the forest ever since. Yep. Well, you got to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. All right. Bob Brogan in business. Stocks are up a little bit, and uh, we're watching that situation. Slightly more people sought unemployment benefits last week but the number of applications remained at low levels. Uh, probably the biggest thing is that uh, the, Senate Re- the Senate Republicans' health care bill is out. Uh, kind of predictably, Democrats are roundly criticizing that Republican, that Republican plan to scrap the Obama health care law. 
President Trump, though, expressing hope the Senate will pass the health care plan with heart. Welcome Democratic support. Well, they must have read it awfully fast. Mm-hmm. All right. It's all coming up for you today on Midday. Paul Perkins has our regional ag weather, this time brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. What have you for us? We could see some severe weather later today across northeastern Colorado and western Kansas, especially if you're along and south of the line from Sterling to Colby down to Hayes, Kansas, and points to the south. There is a slight risk of severe storms for today. Not quite as hot as yesterday. Made it up to 107 yesterday at North Platte. Now, right before this front hit this morning in Ogallala, it hit 87 at 9 o'clock. So imagine what they were thinking at about 9 o'clock this morning. <laughs> but things are, we do have some cooler air working across the area today. That cold front making a daytime passage today as it moves to the southeast. And not quite as warm for temperatures for today, even though we are pretty warm in some areas, up to 94 at McCook, 99 already in Colby in western portions of Kansas. But a lot of the area will be cooler today due to the daytime passage of this front. That front also will act as a focus for some thunderstorm chances. Still plenty of instability, leading to another chance of some severe weather with large hail and damaging winds as the primary threats that once again, greater chance of severe weather. Western Kansas into northeast Colorado. Middle rain chances this evening and in the overnight. A lot closer to that front across the south and east areas. High pressure will push in from the northwest for tomorrow. That'll help to clear the skies out and also give us some much cooler and drier air. And over the weekend, it's going to be very cool across areas. Some weak disturbances rotating around an area of low pressure that's tracking across Canada. That will keep it cool and unsettled with some clouds and also some small chances of rain. We're looking at highs in the 70s for tomorrow all the way through Sunday. So the heat will be a quickly lost memory in just a few days. Warmer temperatures do return, though, early next week as the ridge of high pressure moves overhead. That ridge will flatten some and allow some small chances at some thunderstorms. In our long-term forecast, temperatures for Nebraska are forecast to be right around seasonal or near normal Tuesday through the first five days of July. During that time in central Nebraska, the daytime highs usually average the mid-80s with overnight lows in the low 60s. The Kansas temperatures start at seasonal the middle of next week, and then trend warmer than normal late next week through July 5th. The precipitation forecast for both Nebraska and Kansas expects near-normal to above-normal rainfall Tuesday through the first five days of July. Dryness issues are starting to show back up in the latest drought monitor. Abnormal dryness right now found in portions of central Nebraska from Broken Bow to Ord and St. Paul into northeast Nebraska. There's also abnormal dryness from about eastern Cherry County south to all of Lincoln County in west-central Nebraska. In Kansas, the only about dryness concern we're seeing is abnormal dryness in the southwest in a very small area from Meade to Ashland. Weather factors driving market decisions include scattered rain in the Midwest, heavy tropical rain for the Delta, and a cooler outlook for the southern plains as the remnants of tropical storm Cindy move inland. Flooding will remain a concern from the Gulf Coast into the Tennessee Valley, the central Appalachians, and especially along the central Gulf Coast. Cindy will move into southeast Arkansas early tomorrow and Tennessee later in the day. In key crop, in key crop areas of North Dakota, rain chances remain limited the next five days where it remains dry. Showers may increase some, but that is better a little bit uncertain at this point. One thing that will help that is that no significant heat is in the forecast. Scattered rain will favor the north and southeast areas of the Midwest the next two days. 
It will be drier after that, but that looks to be favorable with no significant heat in the forecast for them. Also, heat in the southern plains helping to mature the wheat and also help out with harvest. The recent heat, though, stressed the corn and sorghum, but it looks to be much cooler in the coming days. In the Canadian prairies, wet conditions may delay final planting in north and central Alberta and also northwest Saskatchewan. Rainfall levels still averaging well below normal through southwest and south-central Saskatchewan. Ag weather brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. And uh, you didn't see this, but just as you were speaking there, mm-hmm. North Platte office is out with their hazardous weather outlook. Really doesn't tell us anything more. Isolated strong thunderstorms possible to develop south of I-80. Small hail, gusty winds are possible for west-central and uh, north-central Nebraska. You mentioned that's what pretty much everybody is in somewhat of a marginal risk of severe storms, especially from northeast into south-central and southwest Nebraska. But as you go to the northwest of a line from Imperial to Broken Bow and O'Neill, a less of a threat for some thunderstorms that may be severe. But everybody could see some severe threat, but it looks like northeast Colorado and Northwest Kansas, Western Kansas is the greater threat right now. All right. Should it develop? Live Storm Center coverage, of course, is presented by Skeeter Barnes, the best beef and barbecue around. Locations in Kearney and Columbus and by American Family Insurance, serving Lexington and Kearney. And when you need weather anytime, krbn.com. Here's an update of Ag News. I'm Joe Gangwish on the Rural Radio Network. In an appearance at the Iowa Community College, President Trump said he's going to help farmers on several fronts. One of the stops for the president yesterday was Kirkwood Community College in Cedar Rapids. And then he made a stop, uh, a, uh, more of a political stop there uh, during uh, Cedar Rapids uh, at that meeting yesterday as well. He said he may want to make sure that farmers do have the infrastructure they need to compete on the world market. We have to make sure American farmers and their families have the infrastructure projects that they need to compete and grow. And I mean grow against world competition, because that's who you're up against now. Well, the president also talked about better trade deals and fewer regulations for the ag industry while he was in Iowa yesterday. National Farmers Union and state affiliates in the Northern Plains are calling on Ag Secretary Sonny Perdue to allow emergency haying and grazing on Conservation Reserve Program acres in a letter to Purdue this week. NFU wrote that farmers and ranchers in the Upper Great Plains facing a significant drought, specifically the State Farmers Union Presidents of Minnesota, Montana, North Dakota, and South Dakota, joined NFU President Roger Johnson in signing that letter. It said reports from our members have painted an alarming picture of deteriorating feed supplies. It also went on to say that while recent rainfall has helped, it's done little to significantly alter conditions in the long term. The threshold under the drought monitor index has not been released for allowing haying and grazing on CRP, but the NFU letter stated that hay is in the short supply right now and said many producers are left with the difficult choice of downsizing their herds or driving hundreds of miles to purchase hay. Farmers and race fans are happy that NASCAR continues to use E15 in all of their series races. And as Bruce Gorder reports, there's another NASCAR race happening soon nearby. The NASCAR Xfinity Series American Ethanol 250 presented by Enogen is Saturday, June 24th at the Iowa Speedway in Newton. Ron Wolfkuhl heads the Enogen program for Syngenta, and he says NASCAR and ethanol are a perfect fit. NASCAR has uh, has found that ethanol is a fuel that that can deliver the kind of horsepower that they need, and it's uh, it's uh, an improvement for the environment. Um, 
as a renewable fuel. It's uh, it's good for American agriculture. And, uh, of course, if uh, you're NASCAR, you want as much horsepower as you can get. And so uh, we're, we're just really proud to be associated with it. NASCAR has raced more than 10 million miles using E15 in all its series without one engine failure due to the fuel. I'm Bruce Gorder on the Rural Radio Network. Downstate New York counties are set to join New York City as national leaders in providing cleaner air through increased use of biodiesel in home heating oil. It's a product called BioHeat Fuel. Legislation passed yesterday would expand the state's commitment to renewable energy by requiring heating oil sold in Nassau, Suffolk, and also Westchester counties in New York to contain at least 5% biodiesel, or B5, by July 1st of 2018. That bill now awaits action by New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. According to the National Biodiesel Board CEO Donnell Rehagen, says by using more biodiesel in their heating oil, New Yorkers will enjoy cleaner air, reduce harmful emissions, and also experience an overall healthier environment. Went on to say that the legislation builds on New York City's continued commitment to clean energy and biodiesel while supporting local jobs and better choices for consumers in New York State. More ag news plus podcasts and video. Just go to the website at ruralradio.com. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. We're back on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Dewey Nelson, and with us is Dean Hefta of Water Street Solutions. Dean, let's visit with you about markets today and the downfall, especially soybeans, and we've broken through maybe even some of these support levels in some of the months. Yeah, we, uh, we've we extended our losses from uh, the last couple of days in the soybean complex, and if you look out at November, we're the, uh, the lows from the end of May there, and in the July contract, um, July uh, options expire both in corn and soybeans tomorrow. Uh, you're also challenging the lows from uh, the end of May. And some of that is, uh, you know, lack of weather fear as we look in some of the longer range forecasts right now. Expectation for uh, jumping acres the end of next week from the USDA projections, as well as the, the weak peso in Argentina helping them to dominate a lot of the, uh, the export business right now. The only real story strong enough to sustain a rally today has been the spring wheat futures. That's probably a weather-related uh, rally going. Yeah, that story continues. Uh, you know, there's a lot of damaged areas of spring wheat, and so you've seen a lot of interday trade where it's been trying to get sold, but they can't hold on to any weakness. It keeps coming in and getting bought. And that's the tightest balance sheet of all of the grains in the U.S. And you've got plenty of issues in wheat-producing areas around the globe that add to some of that concern for high-quality wheat. You're right about that. There's uh, areas in the European Union, France, Germany, etc., that are having uh, some challenges, as well as the Ukraine. On our subject of corn today, we're lower again, but we continue to see this same old trading range, don't we? Yeah, we're, we're stuck range-bound still, which is, is frustrating. It's frustrating for the bears because they can't get a follow-through uh, breakout lower, and it's frustrating for the, the bulls trying to buy rallies because they can't get follow-through. So range-bound trade, and, um, you know, uh, you're, you're seeing a lot of, of, of basis-setting pressure on stuff that's uh, got to get set here this week and next week, uh, adding to that, and then compounding it is still this, lack of weather story for a lot of the corn belt causing concern however some of the models are showing ridge coming in in july and the question will be does that stick 
and add to some of the dry areas concerns uh, in the Corn Belt. Right now, very few people are talking about above-trend yields for the report that uh, will be coming out. But then, of course, current crop ratings, they don't support arguments either for significantly below-trend yields. And that's especially for soybeans. So where do we go from here? Yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be the middle of July before the trade gets a better handle on production outlook for weather in August for soybeans. And, uh, you know, really anything beyond the, the 10-day outlook is, is hard for people to believe. And we know that a lot of the corn areas actually uh, have later development going on. So that pushes some of the pollination and grain fill concern back some. So really you're looking at wanting a better handle on weather for grain fill and pollination well past the 1st of August for, for corn yet. So we could still see some volatility, couldn't we? I don't think it's over. Thanks, Dean. Dean Hefta, Water Street Solutions. Go to waterstreet.org and talk more about these uh, grain markets or call 866-249-2528. As we've spoken with Dean, we see the soybeans 7 to 9 lower, even as much as 10 lower, 4.5 lower in corn, But Kansas City wheat trying to make a charge thanks to spring wheat futures. We're fractionally mixed right now. It's the Midday Program on the Rural Radio Network and Sports Time with Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Derek. Well, one of Nebraska's most versatile baseball players will not be back next year. After thinking it over for about a week, Jake Myers has decided to turn pro. Following his standout junior season at Nebraska, in which he excelled as the team's left-handed Sunday ace pitcher while regularly leading off and playing center field, he's decided to sign with the Houston Astros. He was selected in the 13th round of last week's Major League Baseball draft. Jake Slaughter hit a big three-run home run as the LSU Tigers eliminated Florida State from the College World Series with a 7-4 victory last night. LSU, who's now 50-18 and on the year, advances to the bracket one final. They'll have their work cut out for them against number one national seed Oregon State. Florida State goes home without a national title after their 22nd visit to the CWS. There is another elimination game tonight. That starts at 6 Central as TCU scores off against Louisville. Markel Fultz and Lonzo Ball are expected to be the top picks in tonight's NBA draft. Then the intrigue starts. The Celtics have the number three pick after trading with Philadelphia and will have plenty of options on what's considered to be a strong draft. Forwards Josh Jackson of Kansas and Jason Tatum of Duke are two players frequently mentioned as possibilities at number three spot. And Celtics president Danny Ainge said Boston could get the player they might have even taken with the number one selection. Only five pitchers in Major League history have thrown three or more no-hitters. Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander both got within range of joining them last night. Scherzer took a no-hitter into the eighth before the Mariners reached him for a pair of unearned runs and a 2-1 victory against Washington. And just hours later, the Tigers' ace lost his bid for a perfect game when the Mariners scored three times in the sixth and four in the seventh to knock off the struggling Tigers 7-5. And Kansas Athletic Director Sean Zenger says plans to renovate Memorial Stadium and build and indoor training facility are moving forward and will cost the school around $300 million. Kansas City Star reports that Zenger made the announcement last night at a meet-and-greet event for the football team of the Kansas City area. Zenger offered few details, saying he will speak more in the coming months after the Zions are actually shown to fans. Kansas football coach David Beatty says fans deserve a really, really nice stadium. Well, of course, he's trying to turn around a program that ended last year with a 2-10 record. University officials have considered a stadium overhaul for more than a decade. 
That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More on Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. There is a 20% chance of showers and thunderstorms after 3 o'clock today, mostly sunny with a high near 90. For tonight, a slight chance of showers and thunderstorms, mostly cloudy with a low of around 56. And for Friday, it'll cool down a little bit, mostly cloudy, gradually becoming sunny, high near 76, north winds at 10 to 15 miles an hour. From the KRVN News Center, I'm Scott Foster. The Robert Henry Museum in Kozad is hosting a special arts festival in honor of the internationally known Kozad native on his birthday this Saturday. Museum Director Caroline Goodrow talks about the day. This is our second annual Robert Henry Arts Festival. We are celebrating Robert's birthday. He would be 152 on June 24th, so we are having an arts festival that day. Um, we're going to have local artists and artisans. They're going to demonstrate their work and also have it for sale. Um, we also have a food vendor and some kids' activities going on. It's going to be very fun. The museum and art gallery will be open during the festival, and admission is free. The Team Halo organization in Nebraska is dedicated to taking veterans and active military men and women on hunting excursions at no cost to them to help them deal with PTSD. Organizer Paul Dowdney says they'll be holding a 5K fun run this Saturday in Cozad to help raise money for their group. Through Team Halo, I have met veterans with PTSD, and they've become, they went past the friend stage and became family. And I see how much my interaction with them and them being able to unload any burden that is on their chest or on their mind, how much it helps them and how much it improves their life quality. And then go home and act and, and go back to a normal lifestyle. That is one of the biggest things in and one of the biggest factors is the veteran suicide rate has went down because of organizations like ours. Get these people back in uh, contact with you know their brothers and brothers and sisters in arms. The run will start at 9 a.m. Saturday at Cozad's Veterans Memorial Park. Nearly 500 bicyclists are on their second day of travel along the more than 200-mile Tour de Nebraska route. The annual ride began Wednesday and goes through Sunday. Riders traveled from St. Paul to Loop City on Wednesday and will travel to Broken Bow on Thursday. Cyclists will then spend Friday night in Ord, then they'll have a chance for some various side trips on Saturday and will spend the night in Ord again before riding back to St. Paul on Sunday. Riders cycled more than 45 miles Wednesday and will go 65 miles today. Tour Special Projects Director Charlie Schilling says the route this year showcases Nebraska's landscape and beauty. The event was founded by Rich and Susan Rodenberg and is in its 30th year. In severe storm season, remember, the Weather Watch never sleeps. In the News Center, I'm Scott Foster. The Little Blue NRD has imposed an immediate stay on new well drilling in the district. I'm Joe Gangwish with you here on the Rural Radio Network. Let's talk more with manager of the Little Blue NRD. That is Mike Onan. And, Mike, we wanted to get some more information from you on what you wanted to do with this stay and what you wanted to accomplish. Okay, well, the, the stay is put in place primarily to give the board some opportunity, uh, some time to work up some new rules and regulations for groundwater management areas. Uh, we've we've talked about it for quite a while. We've got some ideas of where the board wants to go, but they just, uh, I guess they recognize that uh, allowing continued wells to be drilled uh, just exacerbates a potential problem. So I think they're just concerned that 
uh, this would give them a little bit more opportunity to make those changes without opening the floodgates for folks who might be concerned whether they're going to be able to drill a well in the future. I would imagine there was some pretty good debate, though, in the meeting when you took the vote. Uh, yes, there was. Uh, a lot of a lot of discussion from both sides. Both arguments on, on both sides of the aisle were were excellent, and I wasn't really sure how the vote was going to go, when, frankly, when it, when it started voting. And you like to do this because you don't want to see a rash of new wells, do you? Yeah, I know the board had mentioned that that, that occurred in the lower Republican NRD, where, of course, they were facing a little different deal with the compact, but um, because they delayed implementing any rules, there was a period of time when a number of, you know, um, I'm thinking it was probably 100 or more wells were put in place, and that was something that they had to play catch-up on then as they were trying to develop their rules for uh, supplying water for Kansas. So uh, obviously we're not in that position in the Little Blue River Basin with our compact, but we still have water levels to maintain and water levels to be concerned about. And I think if you, you get over the hump, it's just a little bit harder to to uh, maintain those levels over the long term. And I'm sure you're like any other NRD out there. You monitor these wells. You monitor your levels very well. What, what have you seen here the last uh, few years? Well, our water levels, uh, we've been measuring since 1974, and the trend line has been down. We were about uh, average around 7.5 feet across the district from where we were 40 years ago, and that's not a lot. I think, you know, overall we've got a good aquifer here, but the trend line continues down. Um, and I guess that's that's our main concern. It's just something that sooner or later you have to put a halt to it. Uh, we know there's been some extra acres that have been added. We know the crops have been developed, so they're more uh, they don't take as much water, obviously. And but but there's still this downward trend. We just haven't been able to get past that. So I think as we've continued to add acres and continue to withdraw water, uh, we're just seeing. Uh, the results of a, a slow, steady decline that uh, at some point in time you have to say enough is enough. This is We don't want to go any further than that because, as I mentioned, it just it's harder to come back if you get too far over the hump. Mike Onan is with us, uh, manager of the Little Blue NRD, and you mentioned uh, your board working on some revisions on the current groundwater rules and regs. Can you talk about maybe some of the changes you're thinking about making? Well, one of the things, I know we mentioned uh, the possibility of allocation in our existing rules, but there's no provisions in the rules to, to get there. Our triggers were a long ways away from where we are today. And as a matter of fact, in some cases in our district, you'd have to, be, to lose 15 feet of water or more before allocation would even be imposed. And we, we recognize that's probably not very proactive when we're talking about the precious resource we have. So they're looking at uh, at least adding some things into the rules that make uh, an allocation a possibility, depending on if the, the next trigger that is set is uh, utilized. Um, they're looking at such things as pooling arrangements and uh, transfers and things like that that have been used in other districts as well. So it's just kind of a little bit of an overhaul of the, of the uh, rules to at least put us in a position that should uh, trigger be met, we're ready to take action and not have to go back to the drawing board at that time. Yeah, you mentioned in your release the current triggers allow for a little too much depletion, so it sounds like you're keeping a real good eye on that. Well, we've monitored water now for uh, 45 years with the Little Blue NRD. Um, we have close to 300 and 
30 wells that we monitor spring and fall. Plus, we have a network now of 50 dedicated monitoring wells with loggers in them that give us a daily recording. So we've got a pretty good handle now on, on what's been going on over the district for the last 45 years. As I said, the trend lines uh, showed some de- some gradual depletions. Our seasonal uh the monitoring wells with the loggers in them are showing some portions of the district where we have some fairly significant drawdown uh, during the season. And, of course, that, those levels always pop up at the end of the season. But uh, the, the fact is when all of the wells are pumping during the season, they may be competing with each other, especially when they've drawn down 35 or 45 feet um, or more. We've had one well actually in the Blue Hill area that shows a drawdown of nearly 80 feet when the pumps are, are running. So, you know, if, if you're in a little shallower aquifer, that would be a concern for you. Now, the state took effect on the 15th when your board met and took the vote, and it'll be in effect until December 12th. Any stay past that, or was that something your board will take up at a later time? I think that's still... Um Still, the jury's out on that. I'm not sure if the board is open to a full-blown moratorium or stay on a permanent stay. Uh, we've talked also about the possibility of maybe a, a more managed development where we have a little bit more say on those areas that are developed and those that are not. Um, so it's something the board's going to have to talk about a lot here in the next few months before they make that decision. That's Mike Onan, manager of the Little Blue Natural Resources District. I'm Joe Gangwish on the Rural Radio Network. Back on the Rural Radio Network, let's talk with Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Anything from these livestock futures that was positive today? Uh, yeah, the fact they didn't close on their lows <laughs> would be about as good as it's going to get. Uh, other than that, uh, yeah, we started lower, stayed lower uh, throughout the day. Uh, over in the cattle, uh, you know, cash uh, fairly weak. The cutouts have been weak, uh, and today was no different than uh, the day before. So uh, uh, we, we didn't have much positive to go on with the cattle at all. So uh, the only positive might have been that... The, for the feeders that the grains were lower but that didn't really help them much uh although they did they they did perform about as good as uh, anything as far as uh, making a, a comeback during the uh, latter part of the session over in the hogs under a lot of pressure there too uh, uh cash seemed to be a lot softer the cutouts were uh, sharply lower after being sharply higher yesterday and uh, it sounds like cash was a lot softer, so a uh, lot of things uh, negative today in uh, in the livestock arena. We do have a cold storage report out in about 45 minutes, uh, which I think has a could be a determining factor. Plus, we have a cattle on feed report tomorrow afternoon. So uh, all those uh, I think have put all the markets on the defensive because uh, right now on both of those reports are looking for slightly negative news we'll see yes thanks joe joe teal great plains commodities total cattle slaughter so far this week estimated at four hundred sixty-five thousand, two thousand less than a week ago i'm dewey nelson come to white lane Amber Ross of Camelway, Nebraska, and Madeline Schwinghammer from Cologne, Minnesota, are spending a part of their summer here in West Point, along with the Chamber, with the Rural Futures Institute as summer interns. And let's find out more about that. Amber, we'll start with you. 
Well, I just finished up my first year at UNL, majoring in ag business with minors in leadership and entrepreneurship, and I'm from Callaway, Nebraska. My name is Madeline Schwinghammer. I am from Cologne, Minnesota originally, but I just graduated from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln in environmental studies and agricultural leadership and a minor in fisheries and wildlife. Well, we're delighted to have you here, and let's talk about the program that you're involved in Tina with the Chamber is here, and we just want to make sure that we thank the Chamber for all that they're doing. But this is really a cool program. The RFI service ship is different than anything else that I've ever heard about or seen or gone through. It takes your skills and puts you in a position to use those skills and to build on your weaknesses and really make them your strengths as well. I really enjoy this service ship because I'm able to do something that I love, but I'm also able to give back to another community and I think that's really important. Tell us what you think of West Point so far. When I first got here, I got here on a Sunday, and Tina and her family came to the apartment and helped me move all of my stuff in. And so I got to meet all of them right away, and it was really, it was really pretty fun. They're kind of a rowdy bunch, but I really like them. So that was kind of my first impression. is going to be a fun summer. The first week we were here, we went on a lot of tours and met a lot of people, and so that was different. But the past two weeks, we've come into the office and sat down, and we get right to work on looking at our surveys that we've had come in or get ready for an upcoming meeting that we have that afternoon or day-to-day activities, and we go to it. So it's pretty straightforward. There's not a lot of lacking time. Madeline, how about you? I didn't know about the Rural Features Institute service ship before before this year, before I applied, I guess, but I got an email from a professor and I looked on the service ship page and I was I saw that it was Parks and Rec and I have a very large interest in Parks and Rec, so I was like, I want to do that. <laughs> so then I applied and got the internship and now I'm here and loving it. What's your day like? Pretty much the same thing. We'll maybe go. We So the first week we went on a couple town tours with some different generations around town, which was really nice to see those different perspectives. And then this last week we did a lot of um, going out into the town and getting people's opinions on the parks and rec and now we're going to go out and see what sort of specific interests they have in improving the community with this being rural futures and the programs that go along with it tell us about your future amber ross what about you Um, Well, obviously, I still have three years at UNL, but when I'm done, I look forward to probably going back to my family farm and working with my brothers on our operation and hopefully doing some economic development type stuff in my community. Madeline Schwinghammer. A career goal of mine would be um, to either start or help develop a rural parks and rec department because I just love getting individuals and families outside and participating in their communities, which I've noticed is a big thing in West Point, too. Lots of ball games and volleyball and everything, basically something going on every night. With the Rural Futures Institute internship program for this summer in West Point with the Chamber and other organizations, Amber Ross and Madeline Schwinghammer, you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Dewey Nelson reporting on the Rural Radio Network. Uh, We've got uh, Craig Turner on the line. Okay, Mark. We've got Mark on the line from uh, Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago. Let's talk about the grain markets. 
Yeah, Mark, let's talk about the grain markets today as far as the uh, soybean trade, first of all, where you saw the, the big drop today. Well, I think what you saw today was just better weather coming down the pipe here. Uh, the biggest thing, you know, you got some technical guys jump on and sell this thing below 920. So I could, I'm hearing more and more big fund traders talk about, you know, 850 to 870 now. And so you're just, you're just seeing one notch lower because the, the, uh, acreage you're going to see on June 30th and then probably the higher than anticipated yield on, uh, on July 12th on the WASDE report. So. Overall, and when we look at soybeans, uh, we've broken through the the support levels and have continued to see this downtrend for the past, I believe it's been nine months is uh, what we're seeing. In the corn trade, well, it kind of was the same old thing. We're still in that somewhat mild trading range, aren't we? We are. The last time we saw this low was somewhere around May 15th, 18th time frame. So if this doesn't hold, I think you go back to a... You know, you go over back about to a year low, so uh, we need to see this hold the next couple of days, and we need to see this weather uh, start to come around and, and work in our, well, I guess, against the farmer a little bit, so in order to get this price to go up. The positive demand story fundamentally, is there anything there? You know, it, the corn has, has had strong demand as of late and, and as of the last several months, but it's it's the biggest story is, is just the, the the weather tapered off this week. I mean, the demand story has not really changed. There was nothing big came out as on the on the exports today at all. I mean, there was no surprises there. Right, and in wheat, of course, spring wheat uh, futures continue to gain on winter wheat, but at the same time, Kansas City wheat was able to muster about unchanged today. The biggest thing I think on the on the Kansas City wheat is the fact that there's a lot of a lot of these hedge fund guys know that we need to see higher protein Kansas City wheat in order to play, replace that the Minneapolis wheat that's not going to be there this year. And and I'm hearing from a lot of guys that it's coming in between 11 and 12 on the protein, which isn't isn't really going to cut the mustard as far as 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 far as replacing the the Minneapolis wheat. So that's the biggest problem. We should. There's probably a real chance we go under 100 million on the carryover on spring wheat. All right. Mark, thanks for the comments. That's Mark from Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago.